You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 172, covering The House of Quark and Equilibrium with Kevin Lynch. Hi friends, we're back. We brought Flonk along with us. Flonk, weren't you just here? Uh, no. I think oh. I live here now. <laughs> Beyond oh. the black. <laughs> no, if you lived here, you'd have more crushed spirits. And less unbroken bones. Right. This you has been strong bads. This has been strong bad theater, ladies and gentlemen. Dear the traveler, how do you type with those hooves? <laughs> <laughs> so this week we had uh hmm. Well, we had one that was good despite itself, and, and then we had another one. One that was bad. <laughs> one that was Just bad despite having a good premise. Nah, I don't know. I wouldn't even Did go that far. I think, I think it started good. I think the first half was good. Matt, what was that? Are you are you <laughs> sucking in helium right now? <laughs> Remember me, Yeti! <laughs> <laughs> wow, you've been, there's a lot, of, a lot of Roger Rabbit references lately. What's that about? I think I'm due to watch it again. It's been a few years. Yeah, it's 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 been a little while. Yeah. I'd rather watch Roger Rabbit than uh, Equilibrium, I tell you that. Ooh. Actually, I'd probably rather watch Equilibrium than, or uh, uh, Roger Rabbit than watch House of Quark, too, and that was actually a good episode. So. Yeah. So There's a lot of things I'd, ra- I'd rather watch Roger Rabbit than. Yeah, well, we, we figured out what our next podcast is going to be. Just, yep. uh... Nothing but Roger Rabbit. I'm on. That's what we'll call it, too. Yeah, no, you'll you'll call it the post-atomic Roger Rabbit. Do you think we can still get Christopher Lloyd? Uh, let's see. When we're finished yeah, with this, it'll say, be like 2018. So, yeah. But, I mean, like, nothing can kill him, right? Well, we know he lives at least to 2015 because of that movie. Right. So, yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, for, for now, though, uh, we have to talk about the, uh, the, the wacky comic premise of, of Quark and Klingons. And... Why don't you do that for us, Flong? Tell us about the House of Quark. All right. And uh, for those of you who keep track of such things, Sorok Lofton does not appear in this episode. All right. So it's been a slow week at Quark's. Fear of a Dominion invasion is scaring away the customers. The only person there is a Klingon who slips on a banana peel and impales himself on his own knife. To drum up business, Quark starts acting like he killed the Klingon. I see no possible way this could end badly. Over on B-Deck, Keiko is depressed because she had to close the school. Is, is that the deadly danger this week? Have the nag particles reached critical mass and we're headed for a complete Keiko meltdown? Luckily, Chief O'Brien is on the case. That guy can fix anything. For Quark, things are going about as well as you'd expect. First, he is accosted by by Dagar the Chubby, Slayer of Gah, brother to Kozak the Drunk. Dagar needs to make absolutely certain his brother died in honorable combat and this wasn't just a drunken pratfall. Because that would be bad. Klingons are weird, yo. Then, not two minutes later... Quark finds himself on the wrong end of a Batleth wedding. His blushing bride is Groko, widow of Kozak. Turns out, Tons of Honor is actually the head of a rival house who is after Kozak's money and lands. Now Quark has to honor patriarchy. You know the drill by now. Meanwhile, O'Brien just can't cheer his wife up. He's tried everything. Romantic dinners, converting an old cargo bay to an arboretum. A botany bay? Oh no. But she's still moping around. Stay on it, Chief. You'll figure it out. Quark has learned that the Tubby Patach has been secretly attacking Kozak's assets, weakening the house and making it ripe for a hostile takeover. 
course, there is no honor in acting like a Ferengi, so it's time to see the big man himself. Galron the googly-eyed, son of Morel, keeper of the sacred chalice of Rix, supreme chancellor of the Klingon Empire. The High Council has no time for dishonorable calculators, and Dagor asks Quark for a challenge, or perhaps some light fighting. Quark accepts and promptly throws his bat left down. Why pretend that this isn't an execution? Dagor, the fat fuck, shrugs and goes to crack open Quark's skull like a piñata. He probably wanted all the candy inside. Gowron sees that Dagar is not full of honor, but he is full of butter. And Dagar is... <laughs> and Dagar is disgraced, and Quark gets thrown a little honor for his trouble. Back in the house of O'Brien, the chief has found a botany adventure on Bajor for Keiko, and that will get her off the station for about six months. Now Miles is free to get to know his true love. Ooh, delay! <laughs> Alright, I have to ask if the honor and butter thing was a, was a uh, Homestar reference, actually. <laughs> no! Because the, the king of town had his That's whole uh, join the municipality, the honor, the butter. Probably subconscious. God damn it. Also, I think uh, Fear of a Dominion Invasion was uh, a lesser known public enemy album. But, uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. Now, this was, uh, this was, this was uh, surprisingly good. Like, I thought it was going to be like one of those wacky Ferengi episodes. Like, oh, and Quark is married. But it actually turned out really good. No, they, uh, they did this one really well. Yeah, I actually I like the wacky Frankie episodes too. So yeah, yeah. I, I know I, I, do I don't too. I don't like the pratfalls and the 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 broad humor and the the vaudeville like like there's a couple of those lines in here and they kind of bug me like if I ever meet the Klingon who did that I'll offer him a bribe <laughs> like yeah just uh. ladies and gentlemen Rom on the drums <laughs> take my Klingon wife please don't tip your waitress no, please tip your bar owner. Actually, seems like something Rom would also be really good at. What the drums? Yeah, he'd be—he's like a really good drummer, but it never comes up on the show. He's like the Buddy Rich of uh, of Ferengi, just like. Yeah, he's—he's he's a famous drummer, Matt. Okay. <laughs> never mind. I don't see him on my uh, famous drummers of Hollywood poster. Oh well, that's weird. You'd think he'd be on there. I know. Anyway, yeah, I, I I quite like this one, and I I didn't expect to, so that was a, no. that was a nice surprise. And uh, even well, Matt, this is kind of uh, your good thing. The, the Keiko thing wasn't like insufferable. Oh yeah, shockingly. Yeah. Hang on, where'd my notes go? Okay. Yeah. So like. No, seriously, where'd my notes go? They're they're right there in the in the document where we keep them. It's, it says okay. good thing. Parentheses right. Matt. Yeah. So I, the, shockingly, the entire chief and Keiko subplot really kind of sweet there's very little horrible keiko nagginess and you guys mentioned she seems very passive aggressive yes. which i didn't notice at all it, it was at first before i realized she was depressed yeah but there's it's also very clear that she's telling him it's okay but she wants him to ask her that it's not okay like it's one of those kind of if you can't figure it out i'm not going to tell you things see, I, I saw more I of just you... i'm fine leave me alone Right. I, see, I thought she was trying to put on a brave face for him. Mm, I don't know. It's like, no, I'm not upset. I will work on my tree. Yeah, I just... I, maybe it's because she's Keiko, I just assume. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's fair. That there's ulterior look, we motives all, there. Look, let's be clear here. We all hate Keiko. <laughs> I don't know that I hate her. I like her as a foil for O'Brien. <laughs> and and we've talked before about how it's good drama that O'Brien must suffer. So, you know, oh, she's she's an important part of the show. But and I also like uh, I also like the Chiefs uh, trying to put together elaborate plans to fix it. Look, I'm, excuse me. Look, I made you dinner. Look, I made you an arboretum. I made you two arboretums. There's... I booked you a passage to Bajar. Bajar. Bajar, don't come back. That's, that's not how he says it, but I like that. Yeah, 
And then uh, the conversation with Bashir, where he's like, "No, no, this will work really well for about two months." Yeah, it's it'll be right back where you started su from. Surprisingly insightful from a character that we've seen only have like one night stands with people. Yep. Like who's who's very clearly going through women as as quickly as he can just to check things off a list. Mm -hmm. Well, I've had sex with that one now. Yep. One down, four trillion billion infinity women's to go. <laughs> So, Look. but yeah, that was a that was a very cute scene. It seems like it would have made more sense coming out of Dax. It would have made more sense, but uh, this entire like the entire as you were saying, the entire reason that they're getting rid of Keiko is so that uh, Bashir and O'Brien can have a friendship, right? So it kind of has to come from Bashir, which is which is kind of sweet in and the, a way. The conversation started too, where he needed a Bashir opinion. Well, not a Bashir opinion, but the opinion of the person who was next to him. What do you think about <laughs> <Right>. this? <Yes. laughs> That's true. But no, overall, like I've said this before, I think those two actually have good chemistry. I'm talking about O'Brien and Keiko. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I think I, I buy them as a couple. They do sort of cute, like when they're actually into each other. Like, I, I completely buy it. And I don't always buy it with mm -hmm. with couples on, on TV, on Star Trek in particular. So, you know, yeah. it's nice. And yeah, it, it seems like she's actually buying into this stupid romantic crap that he's doing, which, you mm -hmm. know, is good. But uh, I don't know. I still think she was just like... Uh, no, I'm fine. Just go to work. <sighs> I don't. I don't need you. Yeah, that that's how well, I interpret it. Uh, come on, I've been paying attention to you for literally, literally forty eight hours. <laughs> Has anyone seen Molly? Didn't we used to have one of those? <laughs> yeah, it's very clear that he like <laughs> fell down a hole. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's season seven, and that's not too far from what actually happens. <sighs> but we're not there yet. So. I liked your, uh, they locked her in a closet at Worf's place with a very small skeleton. <laughs> Don't let that skeleton out. He knows what he did. <laughs> Father, please! <laughs> You'll be a skeleton and like it. It's a rich Klingon tradition. <sighs> Everything's a rich Klingon tradition. That's right. Except talking back to your father. That's the only thing we don't do. You do it all the time! <laughs> I'm old enough to fight you now! Closet! <laughs> Why do you still talk like Mickey Mouse? Yeah. <laughs> Remember me, father! <laughs> you just can't stop doing that voice, can you? Sure can't. All right. Uh, your, your bad thing sort of ties into the to the subplot, too, though, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I have the greatest wife in the galaxy day. It's gotten way too commercial in the last few years. I mean, it, all, it used to be about celebrating having the greatest wife in the galaxy, mm -hmm. but now it's all about buying cards and shit. It's ridiculous. Making elaborate Japanese dinners. Yes. Yep. You know she wanted some corned beef and cabbage that night, too. <laughs> that bitch. That's really the only reason he wanted to ship her off to Bejor is because, you know, he's, he wants to eat Irish food again. <laughs> I haven't had a potato God. in months. God, I missed beef. <laughs> there's, there's, I, I usually don't call me beef. Oh. <laughs> I usually don't point this out about Memory Alpha because it usually doesn't bother me. But there was this bit on there where he says, "I'll come visit you on Bejor. It's only three hours away." And Memory Alpha says, "Well, actually, it's between two and five hours away." Yeah, three hours is in <laughs> yes. there, assholes. Well, yeah. no, they oh. took Ben Cisco's math course and they didn't know where three is. <laughs> How far is that? Damn it! But, uh, yeah, so so I guess she's going to go on some kind of expedition to the high mountains of Bajor and look at plants. Is that the is that the deal? Well, they, the, the, there's no, they, they've never explored these mountains before, apparently, which is weird when you're a spacefaring culture that can basically scan the entire planet, but whatever. I don't know. We're, we're on the verge of being a spacefaring culture, and there's places on Earth we haven't been to. 
That's true. And we haven't been, you know, alien invaded for 50 years. Yeah. You don't know that. Although, well, on the other, other hand, than the lizard government, obviously. Yeah. I, I, look, we said we wouldn't talk politics on this show, okay? Let's just, <laughs> that, 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 let's just put our uh, lizard government feelings aside for a minute. No, um, but but on the other hand, they have been like an established culture for like 10,000 years or something. Like they've been around way longer than we have. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I can see this being the last mountain. Also, if it's if it's that big of a deal, do they really want like a, an outsider joining them? Like this should be like a Bajoran pride thing. There shouldn't be like a, a human along. Maybe well, she... weird. there's actually no botanist. Yeah, I was gonna say, maybe she's the best botanist in the uh, in the region. Is she? I don't know. She was on well, the she was on the Enterprise, and botanist. that's the best of everything. Yeah, yeah I guess that's true. I, I still don't really quite understand what botanists do, like in Starfleet, though. They grow plants. Yeah, they're plant scientists. Like I could see bringing them on away missions to to study plants on alien planets, hey, but they you, never did that. You don't them. want to get that. Um, no, what was it? The uh, um. Well, there's those crazy spores from the original series. Yeah, and the one uh, in the cartoon too. Why can't I think of Sulu's name? That was weird. Yeah. I mean, I can understand the, uh, the plant like... people. Which oh, in... oh, right, right, right. Is that is that the one that Chekhov wrote mm, with maybe. the plant people? I don't no, know. that's the one with the giant Spock. Oh, right. I always confuse those. A... Attack of the fifty foot Spock. Right. Well, Spock's a vegetarian, so you can see my confusion. Yes. All right. Uh, I, I think that's enough about the subplot. In any case, <laughs> I think uh... certainly enough about Keiko. Yeah. Keiko, well, Keiko's going away for a while, so you know, yep. we, we, she's she's going off to a farm to play. Uh... Where she'll be, where she can run and be free. Right. It is interesting that she's bringing Molly with her, though. Like, yeah. And that's not suspicious in any way. Nope. Just sending off my wife and daughter. Everything's fine. Nothing going on here. I'm gonna have so many affairs. <laughs> well, everybody loves Chief O'Brien. I know. I mean, he had that's that one. That's why it's gonna uh, be so easy. He had that one Bajoran uh, assistant that was really cute and seem to kind of be into him so yep. it could could happen but in any case we we are avoiding the main you know actual plot of the episode oh this episode isn't called house of keiko no surprisingly not in that she leaves the house <laughs> finally nor nor is it called house of buggin there's no uh john leguizamo to be found anywhere are there any ass. bill cosby clones wandering around i i don't think so I think Are you uh, sure? I'm pretty sure Cosby's lawyers made sure that that. You know. At any part point, does Quark turn to the camera and start talking in a funny accent? <laughs> in this start? House of Quark. <laughs> uh, Flunk, what was your good thing? Um, I like how Quark's inherent quirkiness saves the day. First, he uses his financial know-how to find out how Degar has been ta attacking Kozak's assets, and then when it's time for the big Batleth fight, he knows he can't win, so he uses his cleverness to save himself and is actually able to straight up defeat Degar. Yeah, no, I love that we get like proper, you know, like, and that actually sort of ties into my good thing. It started out as a super broad, like Quark is a coward episode. And I was like, oh, here we go, like diving behind the bar and, and all that. But eventually he turns into the Quark that I like. He's not a fighter. He's he's scared, but yeah. he's not a coward. What's up? No, no, I was just agreeing. Don't mind me. No. And uh, it took a lot of guts to do what he did at the end. Like he straight up was prepared to sacrifice his life. Yeah, like, and he had, he had an out. He could have just left. Yeah, but he didn't because he did no. the honorable thing. And you feel like after this episode, like the Klingons kind of respect him. Like you, yeah. you feel like Galron's like, well, maybe those Ferengi aren't so bad. At least that one's not. No, I met one good one. Yeah, I, I like Quark the clever rogue so much more than Quark the shrieking wuss. That's the 
thing when they play him as the comic relief yeah. it's insulting and annoying you know when he's doing the like the begging forgiveness thing with the with the hands yeah he's supposed to be like a great businessman and like yeah, he should he should be able to talk you out of anything. Like he yeah, should be I, like the best negotiator ever. Yeah, he's got connections all over the galaxy. Yeah. Like like he should be like you can still make him funny and like but, capable, you but know. But they they so often show him starting to negotiate something and then falling on his ass almost immediately like yeah. getting yeah. intimidated or just dropping the ball and like no, he's supposed to be really good at that. Yeah, like it's just annoying. He should be know? really and, charming and really convincing. Yeah. But so this this might be the best quark episode so far. I, yeah, as far as like Flonk said, using his quarkness. Yeah. Using what he's actually good at, like, and that's good writing. Using the strengths of the characters to, to get out of their situation, like that's. And he's a great character. Like, there's a yeah. lot there that they can use. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. It it is strange to me to imagine that the Klingon homeworld, like, he's just representing basic economic. Like, here I balance the checkbook, and there's money missing, and they're like, yeah. what? What? What, what is sorcery this? is this? Yeah, what what are these numbers? The, the thing is that works with Klingon, or that definitely works with the High Council, who clearly don't need to worry about that kind of crap at all. I don't know. It feels like if it's if it's dishonorable to be a thief, mm-hmm. then proving that someone is a thief is a, a thing. You know what I mean? Like there should be guys who can prove that you're stealing from them. Well, you know what the I mean? uh, the High Council is very up on how to deal with small lizards. <laughs> Well, that's true because if you you know you can you can ruin your uh, disgrace your, your whole family yeah. yeah disgrace your family yeah, all the way down the line yep <laughs> I just I, I don't think that they should have taken this to the high council I feel like there's probably a uh, Klingon accountant somewhere on uh, somewhere in the uh, well Klingon. yeah because we've talked about this like there if if there are Klingon scientists and Klingon you know like chefs then surely there's like Klingon accountants as well yeah. I feel like this is something that they could deal with, but you have to go through a lot of different channels to actually get it in front of Gowron. Yeah, and and it did. It was cool to see him. Oh God, yeah, it was. But on the other hand, it doesn't feel like this was important enough to rate like the president's attention. Like he's yeah. president of the whole empire. It, it, it was a slow news week on uh, Kronos. <laughs> that and uh, you know he he I don't know. It, it, I, you would think he wouldn't be in that that council chamber all the time because of all that smoke. He can't close his eyes. <laughs> Well, and there's just smoke everywhere. Once he gets that vest on, he doesn't want to take it off. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Someone might take it from me. But he was fantastic. And and apparently uh, one of you was saying that this is like the last time we'll be on the Klingon homeworld. Like, yeah, yeah this is it for, uh, for Kronos for now. Yeah, which is weird. Which is weird because there's a shit ton of Klingon stuff coming. Yeah, there yeah. is. I mean, you know, it's Maybe they do not, some view screen uh, stuff. What's that? Maybe they do some view screen stuff later. Like, that makes they sense. They may, I don't know. I, I mean, the thing is, the Klingons are an empire, and they're spread out all over space. It's like, we don't go to Earth much either, but we deal with Starfleet all the time. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, I think DS9 goes back to Earth in, like, one set of episodes, and that's it, as I recall. Yes. And uh, I don't think, I, I think Next Gen only did it once, too, when Picard went back to the to the, to the uh, vineyard. Like, it's just not a thing we do very often. That's true. Mm. Well, I mean, you can only rent out so much of San Francisco. That's true. Actually, no, because they went back to find Data's head as well. No, we we made that whole run of jokes where they kept going back to Earth. So, eh, never mind. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I just do a show about Star Trek. I don't actually know anything about Star Trek. <laughs> What's Star Trek? <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you English, Gav? <laughs> oh, shit, I might be. No, no, still Paul Rudd. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> it's way good, we're, good, we're keeping uh, that, that going, huh? 
Yep. You don't have anywhere to go with that, do you? You just keep saying, I'm Paul Rudd. Well, I am, so... Uh, okay. I don't have to prove it to you. I think yeah, you do. I think you have to prove it. Show me some identification. All right, I'm mailing it to you. All right. Well, that's good enough for me. It should be there in three to six weeks. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but no, uh, Flunk, you're, you're right that just, like, the way he manages to say all this Klingon shit is fine, but you're not going to get out of this. Like, you, you need Quark. You need me. Like, I need to do my thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. I like that. I think that's cool. And, and again, if it wasn't for him, like, um, you know, no one would have known, realized how, how sneaky Degar was, was doing everything. Right. Be, and and that's the thing. If you're if you're the one Klingon who does know how economics works, I guess you can get away with anything because none of the other ones are going to pay attention. Yeah, like, that's true. A Klingon wouldn't, you know, lower himself to this. Well, apparently he would. Yeah, there's a few who would actually, and yeah. they do all right for themselves because everyone else is uh, willingly dumb. Yep. But overall, I mean, I I thought it was like I say, super brave of Quark to to throw down this batleth and just say, "All right, go ahead, kill me." Come at me, bro. Yeah, he he doesn't say bro. He does actually. It's weird. Uh, no, because me, then, yeah, then he'd be talking to Rom. Hey, bro. There, there is that that ridiculous moment where he's like, "But, but who would possibly come and testify against me? Who else was there?" Hey, brother. Ah. <laughs> what kind of idiot? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Terrible. I will say Rom has one good moment near the end, though, where it's like, Quark. You know, that we're back to no one's drinking at Quarks again, and he's kind of sad. And Rom's like, "But you're a hero. Tell me the story again." It's actually kind of sweet. Yeah, I like that. Well, my brother did something. No Ferengi in history has ever done anything. Yeah, <laughs> he he hasn't crouched or wielded a laser whip at all. Oh, sorry to insult laser whips there, Flanka. I know that's yeah. I'm used to it by now. You're you're a big defender of the hashtag laser whip. Team laser whip. <laughs> Let me just click on that hashtag and see who else is used. Oh, no oh, one. Just me. That's weird. No, no, it's him and Armin Shimmerman. Oh, right. No, I don't think Armin Shimmerman likes them either. Uh, I know <laughs> Nog has an action figure with a laser whip. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, what else are you going to... I don't know. I guess he could come with Yamak sauce or something. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what that action figure is called now. I totally remember who you're talking about. Nog? That's his name. No, 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 Nog, the character, has an action figure. Oh, he owns, like, a Ferengi action figure. Yeah. Oh, 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 I thought you meant the Playmates action figure. No, 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 no. I mean, no, in no, the I show, see. Nog has a uh, oh. laser whip. Well, that's... It's an action liquidator or something. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what was your bad thing, Flunk? All right, so there's a scene in the bar, and it's really busy, and Rom's making some drinks, and he's free-pouring, and there is no possible way that a tightwad like Quark would let him get away with that. Okay, seeing as as I have not been in a bar in a very long time, and Matt, I don't think has ever tended bar. T tell us what that means. It, yes. He's not measuring, basically. He's just pouring in whatever uh, he feels like. Oh, oh I see. see. That's how I make drinks. Well, yeah. yeah but you you only make drinks for yourself, though. Yes. Ah, this rum and coke isn't eighty percent rum. <laughs> this rum and rum and rum and coke. Uh, it's not you making me a drink. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you'd drink it. Well, I showed you. You sure did. And then I fell over. <laughs> you sure did. Good times. He was like a turtle uh, on his back. Yep. <laughs> this was at his wedding, by the way. Uh, how romantic. Like, during 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 the vows, I mean. Yes. Not during the reception, during the wedding. Mm -hmm. Just like a turtle on his back. A little well, help. Listen, I was getting married. I wasn't going to do it sober. Well, of course. Because then, you know, 
I mean, we know Chief O'Brien didn't. Clearly. <laughs> what kind of idiot goes to his own wedding sober? Hello. <laughs> if I could do the Quark voice. Uh, <laughs> of course, their their wedding was just like five words in Klingon, and then they spit on each other or something. Yep. A lot of spitting in uh, Klingon marriage ceremonies. Hardly. I guess I guess that's a show of honor, probably. Yeah, sure. It's sign of respect honor. if you're spitting on someone. It's always honor. I did like how quickly their divorce proceedings went, though. Yep. Yeah. Would have saved my parents a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, she just, like, punches him, right? Yep. That would have been fine by my mom. Yeah. That would be okay. I really liked her, but my bad thing was her makeup. She had a good face for Klingon makeup, but the eyebrows, she had, like, these crazy Joan Crawford, like, elaborate St. Louis arch eyebrows that didn't move. Oh, yeah. So she always looked like she had the same expression no matter what. Like, they didn't... Like, that's the thing. Eyebrows are part of your facial expression. Oh, you mean a Klingon look mad all the time? Well, but there were times where she wasn't mad. There were times where she was like, Quark, I really respect you. You know, like, toward the end there. Mm-hmm. And she's still just, like, with that permanent scowl. Just didn't, ah. you know, didn't really work. I, I just... I thought they looked... And they were giant, like, weird caterpillary eyebrows. They, they yeah, just, she had bird eyebrows. Yeah. They just... They weren't great. They weren't great at all. The actual, the, the character was, was Oh, awesome. she was, yeah. yeah. And, and, I really liked her. And there was some great acting there, like, different than any other Klingon woman we've seen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I like. We get a nice sort of clarification as to how, like, they are sort of a patriarchy, but why we've seen the occasional woman in power, like, it kind of explains all that, which there is has nice. To be the, you can be a woman in power, but there needs to be a reason. Yeah, there's, there's circumstances that allow you to be. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you don't automatically in- inherit things. Like, it's usually the firstborn son, but. Yeah. But there are exceptions, which is nice because we've seen women in power and like, well, how did that happen if they're a patriarchy? So, it's, you know, it's good. It, it explains things. You have to be you have to be really, really good at Klingon politics to be a woman in charge. Yeah. Or a lot, a lot of finagling or be the uh, the Dura sisters. Yeah. Or be the Dura mm. sisters. That's OK. They can't hurt us anymore. They're dead now. Yeah. Hooray. Exploded, yep. As did their unborn child. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a there's a bit we all three made the the note uh, when when Odo comes in, and he's like, "So you, you killed that Klingon, huh?" And Quark's like, "Yep, I sure did." Are, are you sure? Don't want to change your story because someone might come looking for revenge. Nah. Best friends. Odo trying to uh, look out for his buddy. Yep. Quark, I'm watching you to make sure you don't get killed. Yep. There was as, as much as I didn't like a lot of the comedy. There was a great bit where uh, uh, the the dead dude's brother the apparently fat guy yeah. oh he was so huge god it just massive just took up the whole screen he wasn't that fat but once i started uh, once i had once i had one i just couldn't stop going for it you know like Dagor and his targ his targ rinds <laughs> look i'm not gonna fault you because not full of honor but is full of butter fucking broke I was, no this is a great line i was a fan of tons of honor it's a good one, too. Also good. No, you got a bunch in there. It's, it's good. But, you know, we don't want people thinking he's like the, the Cleon Orson Welles. Not, not, no. Not quite. That guy's a chef on DS9. Or he was. And the best character on the series. But there's a there's a bit where uh, he's got Quark pinned up against the wall, and he's satisfied with his answer, and he goes, Kapla! And, and Quark just goes, eh, Kapla. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> it's just a cute little muttered, like, it's like whenever I'm in a church and someone says, you know, peace be with peace you. Peace be with you. Yeah. Uh, may the force be with you. Uh-huh. Back at you, buddy. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, there's. I I liked that. I I Quark for the most part trying to blend in and kind of giving up on it. I kind of liked. Yeah. Like it. It didn't take him long to just say, you know what? I'm I'm not gonna fit in here. Fuck it. I'm no. just gonna be me. Had to be me. Yes. 
what else? Uh, what else indeed? Well, Brian comes to Cisco for uh, marriage advice because oh, yeah. obviously he knows he knows how to keep a wife happy. Oh wait, she's dead. He doesn't even know how to keep a wife alive. Yeah, <laughs> might not be the best guy to go to. What do you think? What do you think, uh, Commander? Well, is she alive? Y yes. Well, then you're doing better than I am. <laughs> we had the same. Oh, wait, too. you married Keiko. Never mind. Uh, yeah, we had the same. White problems, Chief? How'd you know? Well, you're married to Keiko. Yep. <laughs> and there's a there's a great bit where uh, uh, O'Brien is like, so can we talk, you know, privately? And Kira's like, what's this, some kind of human thing? We gotta leave now? Yeah. I'm just like, well, yes. It's not a human thing, it's a tax. Yeah, and Dax is like, I'm leaving? Yeah, I'm not even human. Fuck you, I'm not human. <laughs> <laughs> nice nose crinkles, human. How do yeah. you like it? <laughs> human. Human. Oh, human and... play, Domjot. And there's the bit near the end where... Uh, uh, tubby fat fat gets uh everyone everyone turns their back on him and like in the wharf episode and it's, it's like i was saying when wharf lost his honor like this happens all the time yep it's not that surprising like all they, he's gonna do is uh go off to cling cling on honor camp for a while yeah yeah by the it's, time it, uh quark made it back to deep space nine degore's gotten his honor back and lost it again <laughs> now do five hail calices and uh Shut up. Back in your closet. Oh, I'm the saddest oh. skeleton there is. <laughs> you get back in your closet and pray. Pray to Collis. <laughs> I thought it was Kalis. <laughs> Eight it's months. What, it's whatever you don't say it is. Oh. <laughs> also, isn't he alive now somewhere? Kalis, just like hanging out on the homeworld. Sh should I go to his house and pray to him? Yeah. Hello, Kalis. That would be a little weird. Now it's, Hello? now it's turned into a Bob Newhart routine. Hello, Kalis? <laughs> uh, anything else? Oh, yeah, so this has come up a couple times, actually, that Frangi don't like credit, which yeah. seems really oh, yeah. short-sighted on their part. It does. It seems like that would be a way for them yeah, to Yeah, you, you charge yeah. them like 50% interest, and you're making yep. profit with almost no effort. No, yeah. I mean, the the most unnecessary money I hand over to people constantly are people providing me credit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's easy money. Yeah. So that is weird. Maybe maybe it's just like offering credit to people who are bigger than you. Because, yeah. you know, they'll just beat you up and not pay. I don't I feel know. like Ferengi need, like, a really good police force. Yeah. For enforcing that kind of crap, you know? It seems like there there are a few things that would make their culture seem a little more fleshed out than it is, but yeah, you know, I still feel like we got a bit of that here. Like I say, with Quark, basically being like the uh, the Charles Martin Smith character in The Untouchables, the guy who brings down Al Capone by realizing he didn't pay taxes. Like, you could be a badass bureaucrat if you do it right. Yeah, and Quark totally did that, and I I, I like that. Plus, mm -hmm. he had a cool vest. That was he did have a vest. sweet vest. Yes, I really like the vest. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so anything else um i think that's everything just klingon politics are fun yeah i love klingon politics i i mean you know i don't love them as much as you guys do but i don't hate them you know like like vishal does or anything mm. they're, they're pretty and that guy really hates klingons yeah constantly what's that about yeah uh so no flunk you got a you got a quote for us uh yes the house of kozik is gone for the time being it will be known as it's the house of... Quark. Quark. Quark! The house of 
Quark. Uh, pushing, uh, pushing forward <laughs> to the episode called Equilibrium, which was mine. I somehow managed to summarize it, even though I don't think I was awake for half of it. So, well, Marshal Sisko is cooking up some vittles. So he gives the old dinner bell a good ring, and his cowpokes, well, they come a-running. Wait, we're not really doing the Western Frontier Town metaphor anymore, are we? But I had a whole bit about how Goody Keiko had to close down the old schoolhouse. Ah, well. So, yeah, Cisco's apparently one of those bosses who suggests that his officers meet at his quarters for dinner. I've had bosses like this. this that suggestion basically means you'll be shunned if you don't show up. Speaking of shunning, it should come as no surprise to anyone that Quark is not invited. Guess who's not coming to dinner? During the awkward small talk before the meal, Dax discovers Jake's old Casio tone keyboard and begins plunking out a song that makes her angry. Yes, this is actually a plot point because the next day she's playing chess with Ben and throws a little hissy fit when he wins. I mean, I hate board games too, but you should probably show a little respect to your old friend and commanding officer. Dax storms off, says some bitchy things to a few other people, then begins hallucinating some creepy guy with a mask on the promenade. And when I say creepy, what I mean is the show wants us to think it's creepy, kind of like when little kids start singing nursery rhymes, but it's just not. She then drags herself to the infirmary where Julian informs her that she's running low on the precious head juice that maintains the health of her slug. So Cisco whisks her off to the Trill homeworld, and while we know he's concerned for the well-being of his old friend, you know at least part of this was just an excuse to take the Defiant out for a joyride. On Trill, which is the very imaginative name for the Trill homeworld, the doctors confirm what we already knew. Dax's head juice is getting low, and if it dips below a certain line, the bus will explode. Or they'll have to remove the symbiont, killing Jadzia in the process. One of those. While this is going on, Sisko and Bashir, a.k.a. Nature's Best Friends, snoop around and eventually discover that Dax had another host between the ones we already knew about. Presumably this was the War Dax. <laughs> this Dax was only a host for about six months, and also he was a psycho killer, Keskase. Finally, after some magic dream bullshit and shouting, Who are you? No, really. Jadzia comes to terms with all this and accepts that part of her and probably learns to give a care or whatever. I don't know. I think I nodded off during the last couple of minutes, honestly. You probably did, yeah. but you didn't miss anything. No, I nodded off our, while we were talking. Yeah. yeah. On our on our recent uh, uh, rewatch, I, I wandered out of the room and did my breakfast dishes because that was more exciting. Like, ooh, I, I got a little... Uh, Got a little uh, icing from the cinnamon roll on the plate. I better better scrub that off real good. <laughs> oh, episode's still going up. Well, better, better give it another scrub. Uh, Cisco and Bashir still at that computer? Oh, they are? Oh, good. I, that was part of it. Like, okay, the plot wasn't great, but there was a lot of running around solving a mystery but not actually going anywhere. Like, it was clear they were trying to conserve budget, so they yep. didn't go interview people. They talked to them on a screen. And they just looked at a computer a lot. Like they could have, you know, yeah, they, they could have been have running around the big trill. library and, and right. ran around to the guy's house. And but no, yeah, exactly. they're just gonna hang out on the ship for a little bit. It's like we we don't have the budget for that. We're just we'll just call him. And I, you know, uh, uh, Matt, you pointed out like why did they take the Defiant for this? Oh yeah, totally. Like the Defiant has a crew of like I don't know a dozen people or something that has to keep every, all yeah. the systems running. Yeah, we see all these guys, all these like random Starfleet guys running around in the background doing stuff. It's like you really pulled these guys off of DS9 for like at least 3 or 4 days. Yeah. Just so you can make sure Dax gets over the flu? Really? Yep. Now granted she may die. Oh yeah. But we've but gone on still, plenty that's of not, That's not these guys problem. This no. is a, this is totally a runabout mission. Yes. That's what runabouts are for. Yeah. And running yeah. about. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you didn't say a boat. I didn't? No. Oh, man, I was really trying that time. 
I'm going to enhance my Canadianity. Ah, but Paul Rudd isn't Canadian. I caught you. I knew it. Paul Rudd's Canadian. Yeah, he's comedian. He must be Canadian. Oh, well, yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, uh, comedian is Canadian for Canadian, right? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I'm not actually sure. I think I got lost in whatever you just said. <laughs> I was all like, where are you? Yeah. The French word is casse I said that already. Oh, yeah. fa So, Flonk, what was your good thing? Uh, I thought it was pretty neat looking about, about, about how trill culture works. Uh, we learn more about the joining process and why it's so important. I suppose so. I liked it. I don't know. Like we, we've done. We've. I like we've... when we get into the cultures. Yeah. And the the yeah we went. But a lot we've of gone over this too, lot... like about how like the 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 systems and everything. Like you know, it's that fun nerd. How does everything work? I agree, but I don't really. I don't know. There's a lot about the trill stuff that doesn't make sense to me. Like so, apparently, what one percent of them get a, a a worm? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, just about. But but really, like half of them could get a worm. Yeah. I it well, just, that, it so half of them could get a worm, but they don't have enough worms to go around. Yeah. But it's it's this whole. So they make the process really hard. Yeah. yeah. So it's become this whole elitist system where the people who have worms are like well, this that, highly that's sought which, after. That, well, that's what um what Doctor Crazy Accent was doing was trying to um to stop him from becoming something that just the elite can buy, like mm. trying to keep it a, a wide. No, she was trying as... to stop it from being something that anyone could buy, like any dude off the street. Like the 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 symbiotes are only supposed to go into like the very best people on Trill. Not just some dude who's all like, oh, I want a worm. So she wanted that to happen, or she didn't want no, that to happen? No, she didn't want that to happen. Yeah. She, doesn't want, she doesn't want everyone on the planet, or half the people on the planet, having the option of having this this thing. But since there's right. not so, enough worms to go around, then that would mean that only the rich people would have them. And she didn't, right. want, she want, she didn't want that to happen. No, that's true, too. But it, it sounds like she's maintaining the status quo that only the you know elite few get these things. Yeah, but it's yeah. elite based on merit, not based on... On yeah, well, but also getting a symbiote in you makes you an elite. Yeah. yeah, and then you get into the whole argument of, and this is, I think, too close to real life, so I will, I'll, I'll keep it, you know, light. But you know, lizard the, men. The, uh, what? It always comes back to lizard men with you. Well, they are the elite. I don't need to know how you vote. That's not my. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter how you vote. You're still voting for a lizard. Well, right. That's true. Yeah. I mean, when you pull that lever, it, it literally links to a thing below the earth that makes a little lizard egg go into a, a spirally thing. And I, I've seen the cutaway drawings, I know. Mm -hmm. But I, no, it's, it, it's like here where, yes, ideally it's a meritocracy, but people with more money have more opportunities. They get more education. You know, it's, sure. it's that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So you're still maintaining a system where... People that start out with more are probably going to get a symbiont, and then they're going to become the elite. And the creepy yeah. poor weirdos have to go and work in the pool. Oh, yeah. We definitely need to talk about that. Oh, yeah. There's this whole subclass of people who, who are like the pool guys. Literally the guys who keep the pools of, of slugs. Yep. And you got to figure these guys, like, they didn't, they didn't get chosen to be joined. So you got to figure they're bitter. Yeah. But they're still, like, obsessed with the process to the point that they want to take care of the symbionts. Yeah, so instead they devote their lives to, like, hiding out in a cave, skimming a pool. Yeah, caring for creatures that they'll never have any direct, like, contact with. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's like those guys who flunk out of the police academy, so they become mall cops. Kind of. It, yeah. it would be like flunking out of the police academy and then becoming a security guard at the police station. Yes, that's good. Like, they, they, they have a constant reminder of their failure right in front of them. That's the yep. part of it that baffles me. 
Like if I if I tried to get into that program and I didn't, I would want to go as far away from Trill as possible at that point. I don't want to be well, reminded. The thing is, there's a certain type of person who absolutely wants that. They want to spend the rest of their life staring at the thing they can't have. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Or maybe they, they have this secret hope that one day yep. a slug's just going to fall out of someone <laughs> and they need it, you know, oh, we need a, we need a donor immediately. Like, oh, yep. well, hey, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So that that could be. But yeah, the, the, the dude that they have is definitely like unsettling yes like i kind of like that he's the trill crispin glover (laughs) yeah gotta skim the pool some more and i can kick (laughs) terrifying that's why i deserve a a symbiont (laughs) people are all the time telling me that i don't deserve a symbiont but i can kick (laughs) clowny clown clown (laughs) I tell you, I found a cover version of him doing a, a, a cover version of um, These Boots Are Made For Walking. Oh, oh my god, what? Yeah, it's actually from the same album as Clowny Clown. Why are we talking about Star Trek when we could be watching that? Uh, you, you go ahead. And anyone who wants to go on YouTube and put in Crispin Glover, These Boots Are Made For Walking, you knock yourselves out. But uh, Oh my god. I'll tell you, it's it's more like a Shatner singing than actual singing. Like It's, it's more creepy spoken word. One of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. Yeah, that's about right. I'm uh, Aaron Fawcett. Yep, that, that's about right. <laughs> I would much rather talk about that than this episode, though, because really, well, I mean, Flunk, this was your bad thing, wasn't it? Yeah, well, we've we've pretty much covered it, but just the last third was so fucking boring. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's... We set up, okay, something's wrong with Dax. Well, eh. Then there's she's hallucinating. All right, with her not at all creepy mask hallucinations, uh, which this episode was based on a magician. Yep. I don't think I can think of a word of a more boring sentence to appear on Memory Alpha than this episode was based on a magician. No, that's they pretty saw bad. a magician, and his whole act is that he pulls off masks, and there's another mask underneath. And they're like, that's kind of cool, let's put that on our TV show, which, yeah, alright, fine. Our space show about science. But then, like, like, and, like, the original ideas they had were a, a magician comes to the space station. Oh, no, no, a magician comes to the space station as part of a traveling circus. But at least yeah. then, like, he has something to do with their with the stupid plot. Like, this, the masks don't have anything to do with anything. Nope, it's a metaphor, Flonk. Is it? It's a metaphor. Masks are always a metaphor. How, how do we not not have circuses in the future we barely have them now i don't know maybe maybe it's more like of a cirque du soleil thing where there's no like elephants and crap anymore it's all like performance art no that would explain the stupid masks actually but didn't we basically already get that with the stupid like board game people of board game five (laughs) board game yeah if you look at those guys they're basically a circus like they look like like stereotypical tv gypsies to begin with yeah they did these are the people who live in the beta quadrant. <laughs> the board game planets and the magician planets. Yep. All the dumb crap. I think the Gorn probably live over there. Yep. <laughs> the rubber mask Gorn, not the reimagined, like, actual lizard-looking Gorn. Yeah. The goofy people. Yeah, just the, the embarrassments of, uh... Yeah. Like, half half of where the original series went was, uh... <laughs> the Mugatus live over there. Yeah. The the beta quadrant is the hood of the universe. <laughs> or at least all the shit ends up there. Yeah, that that seems about right. And and I'm pretty sure the entirety of the animated series happened in the beta quadrant. Absolutely. <laughs> the Rollicker lives over there. Fucking where the hell do you think ben The walking arm guy, yeah. 
obey me. That guy. Uh, yep. Bem. I haven't thought about Bem in a while. <laughs> I'd still, I'd rather watch that than Equilibrium. Uh, at least Bem was funny. Yep. Look, his arm's escaping. <laughs> Look, Filmation separated the cells. <laughs> Terrible. This episode needed more flying arms. Yep. <laughs> Well, and legs that just wandered off. If it was going to have a magician, they should have a very le- at the very least had Dax playing uh, like the final countdown. Right? She was playing music on her on her little Casio keyboard. Yeah. See, there's your problem right there. If this episode was going to have a magician, well, <laughs> listen. Well, Flunk had the note: uh, "Get this Voyager shit out of my DS9." And it was yeah. Like, yep. There's a fucking it. bullshit dream, and it's just it was uh, it's dumb. all magic dream logic. Bullshit nonsense. Techno babble. Your your ISO head juice morphs need to get down to below fifty percent. Uh, and Cisco's uh, just like, hmm, if I just scowl and just they're they're acting like this is bad numbers, so I'm just going to scowl and nod. <laughs> if Julian thinks she's going to die, I'm going to believe that. I don't really understand why. <laughs> but I, I will say this is one of the first episodes in any Star Trek at all where someone is experiencing clearly experiencing a problem and the doctor doesn't just shrug and say, well, I don't find anything wrong with you. You got me. Because that's that's the usual move. Maybe you're just wrong. Yeah. And and now it was like at least Bashir's like, no, you, of course, there's something wrong. You're, this this fluid is low or whatever. Yeah. I don't yeah. He's like, it. I don't know what to do about it, but this is why you're yeah. sick. Yeah. No, it's, this is a real problem yep. for you. And uh, while he and Cisco aren't still friends exactly, they did go on an adventure together, so that's mm-hmm. something. Yeah. I guess. Uh, Bashir had hilarious Jim Jams. Oh, God. <laughs> I think we've seen those before, but I do love them. Yeah, we might have seen them in that episode where... Uh, uh, when Garrick shows up yeah, in his apartment? Yeah, Garrick wanted a, a runabout in the middle of the night. Yeah. Oh, did Garrick want that? <laughs> Will one do? <laughs> That's still one of my favorite Cisco lines. Yes. Yeah. No, but, but he... They, they're very Julian pajamas, though. They are. As, as uh, Flunk pointed out, they're, they're very English, but also sort of Indianish at the same time. Yeah. He's got a very high neckline. Yeah. Like, weird sort of like James Bond, almost turtleneck, like James Bond villain collar. Yep. Like, he, he looked like Dr. Evil, but like... But going to bed. <laughs> as a clown. We've seen Dr. Evil try to go to bed. Yeah, probably. He probably wears one of those, like, striped nightcaps. Yep. Got a candle. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, a condal. A condal. Put down that condal. Do, do nothing to that condal. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, Odo making a souffle. <laughs> I don't just, was it a souffle? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, he was, was making the, the, the souffle part, yeah. The, when, uh, when everyone's in Cisco's apartment, uh, making, uh, uh, for uh, dinner, mm-hmm. Odo is apparently fascinated by Cisco cooking because he doesn't eat. Right. And so wait, wait, wait. So you guys is... like heat this up and then shove it into your bodies? Does it Weird. stay in there? Or... What do you do with it? Well, I could tell you. <laughs> Has anyone not explained pooping to Odo before? <laughs> well, Constable. I mean, l- I mean, listen, if you think eating food is weird, <laughs> boy, do I have something to show you. Wait, you have orifices I don't know about? Oh, no, I don't know how to make that one. How could, just, you, how could you have been a cop for this long and not know that? This just reminds me of when Spider-Man had to teach the Beyonder how to poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like an identical scene where, you know, like, I don't know, Quark or somebody has to teach Odo how to do that. Yeah. What's this uh, weird pressure on my bowels? Oh, God. Yeah, except they don't cut away like they did in the comic. No. 
You get to see the whole thing. No, so there's just there's this adorable scene where Odo's des- desperately trying to teach himself how to stir. Yeah. No, and, and there's some great sort of... It, it reminded me of a lot of the stuff that uh, Brent Spiner did as Data. Yeah. Just the physical trying to do something human, but it's super unnatural to him kind of thing. Yep. And he pulls it off really well. How does this work exactly? He's, he's like turning the bowl and holding yeah. the whisks tr- like, no, uh, still. No, constable. Smooth motions. Oh, excuse me. Like this. Yeah. Uh, sure, let's go with that. Where's I, my You Tried award? My uh, my good thing is that actually ties into that. I love that Cisco makes dinner for everyone. It takes Picard yeah. seven years to start going to the poker games, but these guys kind of feel like a family already. Mm. Like, yeah, I pointed so, out that, okay, like uh, uh, Quark's not invited, and O'Brien's, I guess, taking uh, Keiko to, to Bejo right now. Yeah. But uh, but everybody Joe else O'Brien is O'Brien does not out. appear in this episode. Right. But it, it's nice. It's nice that Cisco's like, one of those guys who's like, you know what? We work together. Let, let's let's unwind together. Yeah. And while I would personally hate that, yes, I like it for these characters. I hate bosses that make you do that stuff. Oh yeah. Just, uh, just, uh. Well, the, nice, the nice thing is that Cisco, Cisco can also cook. Well, yeah, that's true. The thing is, maybe he maybe he can't. Maybe people have been eating replicated food so long they don't know the difference. <laughs> oh shit. True too. You know, it's like when uh, when when some like uh, person who's really up on like organic whatever is like, here, this tastes like a real tomato, and you eat it, and it's like, eh, I guess this tastes like a garbage tomato. Yeah, I, I guess this is fine. How about yeah. you shove your organic food up your ass? How about that? Mm-hmm. This is how you eat it. I live in Brooklyn. I Wait. have no idea what you're talking about. No, not at all. <laughs> I live in Seattle. Neither do I. Um, Matt, what was your bad thing? Uh I mean, we kind of touched on it. It's the the Trill homeworld. Like you don't like how it's presented. Well, I mean, or? I don't. There's something off about about it. The way like we've we've got a very clear hierarchy okay. going on. But is there something off? Like, do you think it's written poorly, or do you think? Oh no, that I don't think it's written poor. This is another. I felt bad. So. Oh okay. So you you think it's it's interesting that this culture has like a weird like dark side to it. Yeah. Okay. Like and it never, as far as I know, it never comes up on DS Nine, which would I don't be know. The place we, yeah, seeing as how they like poking around on the dark side of everything, you'd think they would come yeah. back to that. I don't. They, they may. Like I don't remember if, because if I know do, we I do more remember. trill episodes. Yeah. yeah. Like we we'll do more trill episodes, you know, as the series goes on. But I don't remember them sort of touching on this weird uh, like hierarchy they've got, where we have the slugs at the top and they're basically worshipped. Yep. And the the guys. The guy skimming the pool is basically talking about how everything has to be exactly right, or I will be taken out and shot. Yep, by a slug. By a slug. <laughs> also, we and get then, a very brief look at the slugs, like, swimming through the murk, and it's nice because you don't really get a clear look at what they look at, so they don't look terrible. Oh, yeah, that that, that, that was pretty cool. They look, they look kind of yeah, cool, like and that. they shoot little electricity back and forth at each other, and it was, yes. it was a cool effect. But, and then we've got, like, this whole weird, like, society set up around keep, around lying to the people. Yep. Which is a very, which is Always dangerous, a non-Federation yeah. thing. It's a very DS9 thing. Oh, it absolutely is. And it's interesting that Cisco basically says, I just want to help my friend. I don't want to expose this injustice. Like, yeah. Picard would have exposed the injustice. Oh, absolutely. And then left. Yes. <laughs> no, Kirk would have, like, collapsed the society and left. <laughs> Picard would have given a speech about what the hell what they're doing is wrong. Cisco just wants to help his friend. Actually, Cisco's more like Kirk. Yeah. yeah. Just wants to help his friend. Not my problem. Nope. Just help my friend and let me get out of here. But I won't tear down your society around you just because I'm upset. Right. 
So yeah, I I guess I can see. Yeah, there's, there's something a bit sinister to it's, it. It's something I want to sort of pay attention to as we go along in the series because I think it's interesting. I don't disagree, and I don't disagree with you either, Flonk, about how we get a look at at troll culture, and it's interesting. But on the other hand, we've done several episodes now about about Dax and about her hosts and all that, and and this is my bad thing. Apart from Blood Oath, which we see, you know, Curzon had had an agreement with some Klingons. I haven't cared about any episodes that involve her previous hosts. Well, I think part of that too is Blood Oath was the only one that Dax was really actively involved in. That's true. It's usually her being sick or being accused of something and yeah. hanging back and waiting to die or waiting for. And there was yeah. kind of that here too. That's the problem. We have a trill character. She should be at the. She should be right at the front of any trill. Yeah, but once again, happening. once again, her peril is what moves the plot along, rather than her solving a problem. That's, yeah. that's a good you, point. Yeah, you should. You you can be active in your own peril. Yeah. You don't just have to sit there and cry about it. Well, no, Quark did. Like Quark yeah. actively yeah. jumped up and said, "I'm not. You know, I'm going to do something about this. I might die, yeah. but I'm yeah." And it's weird because Dax has come so far as a character, but she's still basically hanging back and waiting to die again and it sucks it's like she's this awesome character and until it involves her planet it's like if her parents came to visit and suddenly she just shuts up (laughs) yep because she doesn't want to upset them but it's like i think they do that episode episode. don't they uh i don't know do we ever meet her brother or somebody like that maybe i this is like the third episode about her where it ends up hardly being about her at all and the focus shifts to some other character yeah and it's just like I don't care about this killer guy. I want to no, know what's up. Yeah. Like, where he's next reaching week around, gonna... pulling Latin amount behind people's ears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and as you pointed out, Flunk, the the masks have nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Yep. Like he was a magi- he was a musician. Not a magician. Not a magician. They sound similar, but they're not the same at all. Um. And like, okay, so the 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 song sort of triggered the memories. That I understand. But then the weird, like, masks under masks, like, what? That doesn't, what? No. Just terrible. Look, it was I all along. A different mask. (sighs) It it was I, tragedy. Oh, (laughs) but you're still smiling. Well, (laughs) tragedy plus time, you know. Yes. Comedy jokes. Uh, (laughs) Aren't they all comedy jokes? I love how how upset you sounded that that didn't land. No. It was like, come on, that was clever, damn it. Comedy jokes. Ah, comedy. <laughs> ah, tragedy plus time. <laughs> okay, that was good. It was the same joke! <laughs> <laughs> ah, there is no pleasing you, Paul Rudd. <laughs> That's right, and don't you forget it. I'm sorry, what? Don't you forget it. Forget what? Ooh. Uh, also, the music, like the actual score oh, music, God, yeah. Yeah. It was very bad. season one next gen. You had weird, like, wind chimey kind of... Wind chime synthesizer just kind of... Yeah. yeah. I was waiting very... for Tasha to go to Space Africa or something and just... Very synthy. Yeah. Not cool. And, like, at this point, it's like 1994 or 95. like cool the whole time. Well, see, though, that would have been more interesting. Wow. An if... episode that Armus would make more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. It wasn't bad so much as it was like the, yeah, the worst dull. crime we've said boring yeah like that last like that's like that last 10 minutes just goes on and on and on yeah and at one point it felt like we were building to the end and then we go to commercial and it's like there's a whole other act to this still yeah, yeah. they finish um they're in the pool and jenzia hugs her hallucination and the camera pulls out and you're waiting for the credits to start and then they go back to the station 
and for no reason. Like there's yep. they're wrapping things up in dialogue, but there's nothing to wrap up. It's like oh, we still have two minutes left. Yep. <laughs> Gotta have Cisco come by and make sure you're doing okay. And the thing and then is, have Dax play the piano, which I saw a million miles away. Yeah, we all did. Yeah. The thing is. Episodes like this are often like made better with a decent B plot. Like, okay, we can at least focus on what Kira's up to this week or whatever. And they didn't have one. No. It was entirely the Dax story and nothing else, and that's part of what, what didn't work for me. Yeah. And of course tons of techno babble. Oh yeah. yeah. Like at first when they're just talking about the medical like the the uh the chemical in her body that maintains a balance with the with the symbiote, like, okay, I get that. That's that's one concept that you've introduced to me. I can follow that. But then when you throw 50 different medical things out there, like, nope, I'm, I'm lost. That's it. This is all bullshit now. Whatever. But, like, I can handle one piece of technobabble, like, as part of the story. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Dilithium crystals run the ship. Okay, good. But, yeah, once you get more complicated than that, then it's like, this, oh. This fluid runs the DAX. Yeah. All right. If she runs low, then she will die. Well, we yeah. don't want that. That's bad. We like her. Yes. Um, and, and of course, we... other bullshit, too, where, like, they're acting like, Dax is gonna die, but we know how TV works. That's she's not going well, to die. right. And there was actually a point where, like the uh, the creepy pool keeper guy, felt like the mystical guy they went to for the mystical secrets. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like it really could have been a magic episode, yeah. and that was yeah. just this is gonna tell them how how to, how to feed their mogwai. Yeah, <laughs> mogwai not for sale. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I had. What about you guys? Uh, let's see. Bashir's afraid of beets. Oh, that was yeah. weird. Well, who isn't? I mean, I don't like beets, but I'm not terrified of them. I just don't eat them. Oh, see, I can I can handle beets. Fat beets, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> Fat beets, fresh beets. Yeah, dope beets. I love dope beets. <laughs> In fact, I, re I just realized I didn't pick a quote, so I'm. We're, let, let's play Bashir being scared of beets, because why not? All right. What are we having? It smells delicious. Black and red fish with cream spinach and sautéed beets. Beets. You don't like beets, Doctor? Well, they're not exactly a, a personal favorite of mine. No. That's because you haven't had them prepared properly. Beets are a very misunderstood vegetable. Well, I look forward to understanding it better. Because that's pretty much the only scene that had good dialogue in it anyway. That that scene should have been the whole episode, just them having yeah. dinner. That would have been much more interesting. Yep. M my dinner with Odo. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> and um, Venegas shows up. Uh, oh, no. Of course. And he's, like, allergic to something, so they have to keep running back and forth. <laughs> uh. Quark, are these beets? I don't like beets, Quark. Yeah, your Nagus is better than mine. You just got to imagine that those tufts of hair coming out of your ears and uh, the rest just sort of falls into place. But what if I'm always imagining that? Why would you do that? Why don't you just make it happen? Don't don't do dream it. Be it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any, anything else, Flunk? Uh, no, that's it. Matt? No. Very well. Well, as oh, ever. Actually, you, can... you know what? Um, going back to the Frankie real quick. Um, yes. Apparently, Walter Koenig wasn't a fan of the Frankie in okay. general. Yeah, he called them nope. the jug-eared pumpkin people. Yeah, and um, we kind of got in the way in the post time of car of fuck you, Chekhov. <laughs> oh, nice. Throw that out there. Well, in, in fairness, we all didn't like them either until Quark. Like, it, it took, you know, like seven years of next year, yeah, we never liked the Ferengi three years once. Ago. No, Yeah, no, that's not cool. 
but I'm sure he didn't watch DS9. He might have watched Trials and Tribulations because he was in it. <laughs> I don't Maybe. even think he watched the original series. Yeah, probably not. Well, uh, Shatner tried to pass it off for a while. I, I, I've never actually watched the show. I don't know. Uh -huh. yeah, that okay, doesn't sure surprise me. Well, it was, he was just waiting for TJ Hooker to t take off, and it never did. Sure it did. He grabbed onto the hood, and it took off. <laughs> <laughs> that happened in every episode of TJ Hooker. I think there was an SNL sketch about that, actually. That's not my observation. <laughs> Still funny. <laughs> All right. Well, as ever, our website is postatomichorror.com. You can write to us, postatomichorror at Gmail. Our episode guide, volume two, is now for sale uh, on the website, postatomichorror.com. Go to the store. It's there. Uh, both volumes are there. You can get them in ebook form as well if you don't want the, the paper version. Uh, very exciting. New jokes, different stuff than we did on the show. So mm -hmm. check that out. Uh, we also have shirts. Uh, people have been buying shirts lately. It's weird. It's kind of yeah. cool. Uh, with get our, your uh, yeah, brand logo. new Quark shirt. shirt. Yep, get the Quark shirt, the I Armas Posh, or a lot, a lot of good yep. stuff there. Yep. And uh, any of the artists who uh, help design them uh, get get a cut of that. So uh, mm -hmm. help out a starving artist. All right, that's all for this week. Matt, say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.